Welcome to Current Radio's Politics Station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Let's turn our attention to the Red Sea, where tensions have been escalating since the Israel-Hamas conflict. Abby, could you fill us in on the recent drone incident? Of course, Michael. The USS Thomas Hudner, a U.S. warship, shot down multiple one-way attack drones launched from Houthi-controlled areas in Yemen. This happened on Thursday morning local time, according to the United States Central Command, or CENTCOM. And thankfully, the ship wasn't damaged and the crew were unharmed. But this incident does highlight the increased tensions in the region. Indeed, Michael. It's worth noting that Yemen's Iran-backed Houthi rebels have claimed to have fired ballistic missiles and drones toward Israel. That's a serious escalation, and it doesn't stop there, does it? There's also the issue of the hijacked cargo ship. Yes, the Galaxy Leader was hijacked by the Houthis in the Red Sea. There were about 25 crew members on board. And the United States is demanding the immediate release of the ship and crew, right? Exactly, Michael. State Department spokesperson Matt Miller made that clear on Monday. The situation in the Red Sea is certainly a cause for concern. We'll continue to follow these developments closely. Yes, and it's important to remember that the safety of the crew and the stability of the region are paramount. From international tensions on the high seas, we now turn to a case of domestic deception that's shaking up the heartland. Let's pivot to a situation closer to home, where the sanctity of the ballot box is being called into question in an unusual voter fraud case out of Iowa. So Abby, we've got a story here that's sure to ruffle some feathers. An Iowa woman was recently convicted of a voter fraud scheme Indeed, Michael. Kim Fuang Taylor, wife of Jeremy Taylor, who unsuccessfully ran for Congress in 2020, was found guilty of numerous counts of fraudulent voting and providing false information. And it's not just a couple of counts. We're talking 23 counts of fraudulent voting, 26 counts of providing false information, and three counts of fraudulent registration. That's quite a rap sheet. Absolutely, Michael. Prosecutors say she visited households in the Vietnamese community, encouraging residents to fill out voter registration forms and absentee ballot request forms. Some of the residents couldn't read or understand English, and she offered to help. And by help, we mean she submitted or caused others to submit dozens of these forms containing false information. She even completed and signed voter forms without voters' permission and told others they could sign on behalf of relatives who weren't present. Exactly, Michael. It's a clear violation of the integrity of our voting system, and it's not without consequences. She faces up to five years in prison on each count. Sentencing date hasn't been set yet, but... It's certainly a stark reminder that meddling with the democratic process has serious repercussions. It's unfortunate, but necessary, to maintain the sanctity of our elections. Absolutely. And while it's an isolated case, it's a wake-up call to remain vigilant and ensure that each vote cast is done so legally and ethically. From fraud in the voting process here in the U.S., we now turn our attention to the democratic process playing out across the globe. Let's take a look at how democracy is shaping up in New Zealand, where political leaders have just announced a significant development. Stay tuned as we delve into the details of this intriguing political landscape. Well, Abby, we've got some big news from down under. Three New Zealand political leaders have announced they've reached an agreement to form the next government. Indeed, Michael. 
after nearly six weeks of negotiations following the general election on October 14th, it looks like they're ready to move forward. The man at the center of it all is the former businessman Christopher Luxon, who's set to become the next prime minister. His conservative national party won 38% of the vote, the largest proportion of any party. Right, but what's been interesting is how the three parties, with different policies on tax, race relations, and economic management, have managed to agree on a joint governance plan. They're expected to release the details of that agreement tomorrow. That's the beauty of New Zealand's proportional voting system. Parties typically need to form alliances to command a governing majority. It's been a fascinating process to watch. Luxon has been negotiating with David Seymour of the Libertarian AC Party, which won 9% of the vote, and Winston Peters, the 78-year-old leader of the populist New Zealand First Party, which won 6%. And let's not forget the outgoing Prime Minister, Chris Hipkins, who led the Liberal Labour Party for just nine months. He took over from Jacinda Ardern, who unexpectedly stepped down in January before one of these... Ardern's departure was definitely a surprise. She won the previous election in a landslide, but her popularity waned as people got tired of COVID-19 restrictions and inflation threatened the economy. It's been a year of political shifts in New Zealand. With Luxon at the helm and a new coalition in place, it will be interesting to see what changes come next for the Kiwis. Absolutely, Michael. It's a reminder that even in turbulent times, democracy finds a way to adapt and move forward. From the political shifts in New Zealand, we now turn our attention to a significant moment in American history. We have some sad news to share that has left the nation in mourning. A woman who dedicated her life to public service and whose work has had a profound impact both nationally and globally has sadly passed away. We have some somber news to discuss. The nation is mourning the loss of former First Lady Rosalind Carter, who passed away at the age of 96. Yes, indeed. A life truly well-lived. President Joe Biden, First Lady Jill Biden, Vice President Kamala Harris, and the second gentleman will all be attending a tribute service for her in Atlanta next week. It's a testament to her impact, Abby. Rosalind Carter was a champion for mental health, working tirelessly to diminish the stigma attached to mental illnesses and advocating for parity and access to mental health treatment. And it wasn't just that, Michael. Along with her husband, former President Jimmy Carter, she redefined and revolutionized the post-presidency. They founded the Carter Center and traveled globally, monitoring elections, working to eradicate neglected tropical diseases. That's correct, Abby. Their work took them to places like Cuba, Sudan, and North Korea. It's safe to say that the Carters have left an indelible mark on the- Absolutely, Michael. And it's not just their work, but the grace they brought to the office. President Biden himself praised the Carter family for this. Yes, and that grace extended to their personal lives as well. Rosalind Carter was diagnosed with dementia in May and entered hospice care at their home in Plains before her passing. Former President Jimmy Carter also began home hospice care in February. It's a difficult time for the family and the nation. Our thoughts are with them. The tribute service will be held for invited guests next Tuesday at Glen Memorial Church at Emory University. The public will also have an opportunity to pay their respects at the Jimmy Carter Presidential Library and Museum on Monday. Indeed. A funeral service will also take place Wednesday for family and invited friends at Maranatha Baptist Church in Plains, Georgia. 
We will continue to remember and celebrate the life of Rosalind Carter, a true advocate and humanitarian.